Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, I'm delighted that my guest this week uh, is somebody you already might be familiar with. Uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka was a special advisor to President Trump in the White House. He's also a best-selling author, uh, expert on intelligence, and indeed a broadcaster and host on Max News. Um, I'm delighted that you are joining us here on the New Culture Forum, Sebastian. Thank you for having me, Peter. I've been a subscriber to your program for um, several years now and very impressed with the, the guests you get on. So it's, a, it's an honor to be one, to be counted amongst those who are today. Well, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Um, you know, this is quite a, an extraordinary career, Sebastian, you have. I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about it a little bit later on, but um, can I sort of rather start at the, the deep end, if you like? It's a question that a lot of people, a lot of our viewers here are asking, and that, that is one I'm sure you're asked a lot, which is, um, is it likely that uh, President Trump will run again in 2024? Uh, I don't like doing predictions. I, I find when people do predict things, they're never um, challenged on them, you know, a year later or what have you. But I, I will make an exception for you, Peter. Uh, yes, he is running. I have absolute utter certitude. Everything he has done in the last 12 months uh, makes that obviously clear. Right now, yeah. having spoken to those who've spoken to him recently, the question is the date of announcement. When will he declare? Will it be before Labor Day, after Labor Day? Will it be before, will it be before the midterms in November, the election, or after? But uh, I guarantee you right now, uh, if he is breathing, if he has a pulse, he will be running in the election for 2024. Right. And, I mean, there, there is a sort of... There has been much comment on, on the, the polit general political situation in America, which means that you know, uh, possibly one candidate could sort of not accept the result or whoever that might be. Um, do you think that, first of all, that that's an, a possibility, but also would it sort of lead to a really combustible situation in America if that happened? Well, we already have that combustible situation. Uh, recently, a 22-year-old man was arrested outside the private home of a Supreme Court justice who had uh, planned to murder him and his family, was armed with a handgun, uh, zip ties to immobilize them, uh, a knife. Uh, that individual was there to kill Justice Kavanaugh uh, because of the decision on the Second Amendment and the Roe v. Wade abortion decision. So the combustible situation is here. We've had a Black Lives Matter and Antifa responsible for more than 600 riots, $3 billion worth of damage done to the nation, more than 40 people killed on the streets of America for quote-unquote social justice, Peter, and more than half of those individuals were of the minority, were black, like a police captain, retired police captain David Dawn, who was gunned down trying to protect his friend's shop during one of these BLM riots. So we're, we're already there. We're already at that point of violence being normalized by one side and it's not us it's not the conservatives uh, it is the left um uh, to your to your other point about not recognizing the results of election well that's already happened i was in the white house serving for a president who had been elected by 64 million americans and for four years four years incessantly 
the Democrats and their lapdogs in the mainstream media said, oh, it was a stolen election, Russian collusion, Facebook this, Facebook that. I mean, th th we're already there, Peter. So the question is, how mm. crazy will the left become? Or will they look, uh, let's put it in the historic perspective. I don't like Bill Clinton. I, th I think he's reprehensible in his personal life. But at the end of the day, uh, Bill Clinton was a pragmatist. And when he was yeah. the head of the Democrat Party, he reigned in the crazies. He actually stole a lot of very sensible policies uh, from Newt Gingrich, the then conservative Speaker of the House. Today, I challenge anyone to name me one person on the left in America in a position of leadership. I don't mean a governor here or a mayor there, but somebody who has na national podium and prestige who's reigning in the crazies. There isn't. When, when we've had two million, two million illegal aliens allowed into the nation because of the, the policies of this White House, when we've got a Supreme Court justice nominee who during her confirmation hearings as a woman is asked by a female senator, can you define the word woman? And she laughs, ha, 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 I'm not a biologist. The crazies yeah, have yeah. taken over the asylum, Peter. Yes, yes. Do you, I mean, do, where do you see this leading, Sebastian? I mean, in the sense that, you know, that you say they've taken over. Uh, we've got a not dissimilar situation in Britain. Um, although I would say that America seems to be in a slightly more uh, developed situation. I mean, it, it seems to be more acute. Yeah. Um, you also have a president now who aids and abets it, it seems to me. Yeah. Um, and so, what, you know, do you see the election, the forthcoming election, whether it be in November or indeed whether it be in 2024, are those the only ways in which this can be turned around? I mean, you know, it's not going to happen on its own, is it? No, I, sadly, uh, the elections won't be enough. It, it's, mm. you know, I, I want President Trump to win because I think he's the only person who can finish the job that needs to be done in terms of what we call here draining the swamp, getting the, you know, the, the non-representative bureaucrats out of those positions they've bedded themselves into who think that the writ of the people doesn't matter. So we, we have to have, you know, a, a serious uh, house cleaning exercise. But, but it doesn't matter. If, if any Republican wins, there will be gnashing and wailing of teeth, uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth, and there'll be riots and there'll be bloodshed. For me, look, realistically, the only time some kind of normalcy is injected back into the system is when the, the radical party that is the Democrats has a crisis of confidence, collapses in on itself, uh, as it did after Carter was routed by Reagan and says, hang on, may, maybe we've gone too far. May, maybe the idea that um, critical race theory, teaching that white children are oppressors and brown children are victims, maybe we shouldn't be doing that in the school systems of the United States. There, there has to be a point at which there's self-reflection and they say, okay, um, we need to represent the American people. I think it's similar to what happened in the, in the UK. You know, I think Brexit was the shock to the system. It was a message to the political elite that, hey, guys, uh, you don't represent us and we want to have a voice in the future of our nation. So I don't think elections are enough, sadly, Peter. I think it has to be what one of the parties has to look in the mirror and say enough. Yeah, I think uh, actually that's a, a, an interesting uh, comparison because um, 
You know, with Brexit, uh, yes, indeed, it was a message. And they never have let us forget it. I mean, <laughs> essentially, uh, it was probably one of the most depressing times politically in the sense that you found that the institutions of your country uh, were behaving in a way that you just wouldn't have imagined they could. You know, I, they were actually... I, you know, watching from across the, the pond, I was dismayed, Peter. I mean, look, I grew up in the UK. I was born in the UK, spent my first 23 years there, grew up under Maggie Thatcher, lived around the corner from Neil Kinnock in, in Ealing. And, and there was a certain way of doing politics. And yes, you could get, you know, lose touch with the electorate, but you'd pay a price. But then after Brexit, after the greatest expression of the people's will in, in, in British history, with what, what was it, 17 and a half million people saying, yeah. we want to leave the European Union. Afterwards, what we witnessed in the ensuing, what was it, three years, Every, I mean, every element of the establishment said, we don't care. From the BBC to the House of Commons to the House of Lords to billionaire lawyers who actually said into the camera, I don't care, we're going to stay in the EU. The whole establishment said, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a middle finger to the will of the British people. And I was horrified. And, you know, whatever you think of Bojo... Uh, you know, God bless him for finally getting the, you know, the, 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 the football into the net in terms of implementing it. Although I know there are some issues that, that remain. But yes, th this, is, this is why the old taxonomy of left and right, of conservative and labor and, and Republican and Democrat seems to break down at this point. Because what we're, what yeah. we're looking at is um, elites, left or right elites, and the people and there seems to be a, a massive chasm between the two whether you're in the uk or you're in in the united states speaking of elites uh it was interesting this morning uh in a paper here the daily mail here um andrew neil the broadcaster wrote a piece about the new york times um and indeed you know the new york times attitude to britain um and the fact that we seem to we seem to be singled out for absolute opprobrium um, as being this racist, uh, rat-infested hellhole. Um, what's happened at the New York Times? Or is this just emblematic, Sebastian, of, of, of just the elites we're talking about? Let, let's, you know, just remind people, put it into historic perspective, this is the same organ that um, won a Pulitzer Prize for Durante's covering of the Soviet Union in the 1920s and 30s, their mm -hmm. Moscow correspondent, a man who said, gulags? What, what gulags? Political persecution? What, what political persecution? Nothing's happening in Ukraine. There is no starvation. There is no famine. You know, th this is the New York Times's, you know, history of propaganda. They, they are now an outreach arm of the Democrat Party. And remember, I, I love it. I've saved the tweet and it will be one of my forever tweets. This is the organ that a month, one month before the 2016 election said Hillary has a 92% chance of winning the election and President Tr Trump can't win it. This is, this is you know, a month before the election and she yes. is routed by this upstart who's never run for, for office before. Uh, the, the New York Times or CNN is emblematic of, of this whole phenomenon or the BBC yeah. et al. We have a left that used to represent the working class and really did. I mean, you know, Labour 40, 50, 60 years ago was 
run by trade unionists or at least had a serious influence of working class individuals who became politicians. Now it's the same guys who went to Eton and, 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 and Oxbridge with the, with the conservative leadership. It's the same clique. Here we have the same issue. You, you look at who is running these newspapers and these media organs. CNN, for example, Peter, I have a daily radio show called America First. It's relatively yeah. new. It's three years old, three and a half years old. It's a national show. And, and I have 3.5 million daily listeners from, from Los Angeles to New York. And then I have my, my weekly TV show on Newsmax. Um, when I saw the viewing figures for CNN, I was at the White House and they, they prioritized requests for media based upon size of audience. And I was being requested to go and represent the president. And I went into the booking room and I, I looked at the whiteboard where the girls had put up the, the figures, the viewing figures for TV shows. And number one was Hannity, followed by Tucker Carlson. And then down the line, I saw CNN and I saw this figure. And I, I said to the girls, uh, how many zeros are missing off that figure? <laughs> And she said, no, 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 that's the Nielsen ratings. That is the size of their audience. That was five yeah. years ago when I was in the White House. Back then, CNN on a good night would get 700,000 viewers in America. Today, yeah. they are absolutely tanking. They, they are a, a, you know, a disaster with 400,000 viewers. That's less than one That's less than half a percent of the population. So we give them too much credit on the yeah. one hand, but on the other hand, they're massively influential. So look, my, my f philosophy is the same, and it goes for the lambasting of the UK by the New York Times. When I was in the White House, um, I had a reputation for, for not working with the mainstream media. I, I didn't want to mm. talk to them on the record, off the record, on background, because they hated me, they hated my president, and they hated anybody who voted for him. And I said, if the Washington Post or the New York Times writes anything nice about me, the Trump voters should ask for their money back. So it is a, yeah. if, they, if they are trashing you, Peter, if they hate the UK, yeah. excellent. That's a good yardstick. <laughs> well, that's very comforting to know. Um, when it comes to this president, Sebastian, uh, I mean, here, you know, there is, it's very sort of easy to mock at the uh, loss of memory and all of this sort of thing. But at the same time, it does take me back. Um, I can remember President Carter yes. and the the general display of a kind of weakness which seems to be across the entire administration. And I, I wonder, what is the future for them? Not yeah. that you should care about it, but what is the future for the Democrats? Well, I do care about it because I, I don't want a one-party state. My, my, my parents suffered under communism. My father, at the age of 20, was arrested, tortured by the Hungarian secret police and, and given a life sentence. So my, my family has, has lived under you know, a one-party, an extreme one-party regime. So I don't want that. I want, I want healthy. I, you know, we, we have a system that really precludes third parties, but I'd like both parties to be relatively healthy. So. Uh, let, let's let's be historically accurate when America and I'm not an interventionist I served a president who wasn't an isolationist but he wasn't a neoconservative isolationist but our message was very clear I, I stole a line from the Marine Corps that I, I've worked very closely with when we were in the administration I said now that we are in power if you are, want to understand America I, I've stole this description from the Marines no better friend no worse enemy 
if if you're our enemy you will be in trouble and we demonstrated that uh, if you are our friend like israel or the uk we will treat you as our friend when america yeah. is weak or america is run by people who hate america and that's the sad truth i mean when obama came into office the first official thing he did and it was labeled as such was an apology tour he traveled the world apologizing for America's whatever, post-colonial, racist, what have you. If you're run by people who don't like whatever it is, the country or the corporation, then the corporation or the country suffers. And when, when, when America is not robust in its presence, then bad things happen. Why? Because bad actors fill the vacuum. When yeah. did Russia invade Ukraine for the first time? When Obama was doing his apology tour, when he was apologizing for America. That's when the Crimean invasion took place. Why did they invade now? It's very clear they invaded because in August of last year, what happened? President Biden surrendered Afghanistan. He ran yeah. out of there. He said Al Qaeda's gone. He left more than $83 billion worth of weaponry there. We had people clinging to the outside of airplanes. I mean, it, yes. it made Saigon look like a walk in the park. At least in Saigon, it was only one helicopter off the roof of the embassy. Here we have thousands of thousands of people invade the Bagram Air Base. And then what happens? You know, the KGB colonel in, in the Kremlin says, OK, guys, roll the tanks. Let's take Ukraine. This is what happens when America retreats. So. What, how do we solve this? We have, a, we have a healthy Democrat party, but I can't solve that. I mean, look at JFK. JFK, this Camelot-like Arthurian figure for, for the Democrats. He wouldn't be allowed in the Democrat party today, Peter. You know, hardcore anti-communist, pro-national security, served his nation in the Navy. He'd be excoriated. That, that is their, their, their erstwhile hero. So we need two healthy parties but you know the, it's up to the democrats to fix the democrat party do, do you think in the wider culture um that america has changed i mean i would say i mean that's a huge question i know yeah. sebastian but i mean the fact is is that it seems to me that as someone who's always loved america uh, it's balked very very large in my imagination and in my life I lived there for five years um, it seems to me that the very things that attract the world about America uh, America no longer values yeah so let, let, let's Does be that, careful let, is let's that, be, do you think that's accurate or not I, I think portions of American society no longer value them I, I, I and I don't, don't think that's uh, indicative of the of the majority so let's right. let's look at my story um, I'm an immigrant I chose this nation. I wasn't born here. I still consider it to be the greatest nation on God's green earth. And there's a moment I, I write in one of my books, and it, it's starting to give me chills as I say it, because it always does. It gives me goosebumps. The day after the inauguration of President Trump, so you, after the inauguration, you know, he's sworn in, and then there are parties for the rest of the day. There, there's numerous balls. The new president has to make an appearance at all the balls. I don't drink, my wife doesn't drink. So the next day, Saturday morning, I didn't have a hangover. And it may have been a Saturday, but, it, but I said to myself, hey, I'm deputy assistant to the president. I'm gonna go to work in the White House. So I got in an unmarked car driven by a, a black female um, sergeant from the army. 
they, she drove me to a building next to the White House where I was in process, filled out my final HR paperwork, got my White House badge. And there I am walking into the West Wing past the security service, the Secret Service, Saturday morning. And, and I, I'm getting chills right now. I'm standing inside the West Wing. And I'd only become a, a citizen five years previously. And I'm picking yes. out my office and I'm walking around and, and it's mind blowing. So you know, yes. the American dream is alive and well. The fact that I could end up as strategist to the president, the most powerful man in the world, doesn't happen in a lot of countries as an immigrant. If you don't speak you know, the perfect French, if you didn't go to the, the right schools, you don't, you don't end up in their lycée in Paris. You don't end up working for, for the prime minister. So this happening to me, that America is still there. The problem is we have this massive disjuncture between the elites. And, mm. and look, I, I find it ironic that I have to remind those born here, my fellow Americans, do you know what you did in 2015 and 2016? Mm. You did something remarkable because there is a connective tissue between every president prior to Trump from Washington to Obama. They all come from the same coterie. Number one. They were all former senators, congressmen, governors, or retired generals. Every single one from Washington to Obama. In 16, 64 million Americans said, you know, uh, we need a change. We, we don't want one of those people. We want a guy who's never run for political office. He's, he, he wins the first time he runs, and he's an outsider. Yes, he's a billionaire from New York, but he's really a rough and gruff you know, alpha male from Queens who worked for his dad, collecting the rent in very tough parts of New York. That that that's what's really changed. To, to answer your 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 question explicitly, the culture of America hasn't changed in in a significant way. The political culture has changed because we have extremists in an elite who don't represent the majority of the people. And then we have a good chunk. I mean, he got, what, 74 million votes in the last election. We have a very large part of the population who says, we've had it with the elites. And I, I know other, others have said it before. You know, I think we were connected through the great guys at Trigonometry, Francis Foster, yeah. Foster Constant Kissin. They get it as well. There is a, 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 an electable connection between Nigel Farage, Brexit, Modi, Trump. I mean, th this is the, this is the significant cultural change, not the yes. other things, not what Hollywood is making or what the New York Times is writing. It is the rejection of politics as usual. That's the big change. Uh, Sebastian, you, you mentioned earlier about your father. I mean, you are of hung Hungarian heritage. Um, do you do you keep up connections with Hungary now? I mean, um, you know, I, I am going to ask you a few political questions about it. Do you do you keep track with Hungary now? Do you I do, I, I do follow it, I, I, and I do have very very distinct opinions about uh, uh, Orban. But um, you know, I left Hungary in two thousand and eight. I spent fifteen years of my life uh, after I left the UK 
I worked for the first uh, freely elected conservative administration in Budapest, trying to get them into NATO back in the 1990s. So it's a large chunk of my life. Then I met my, my American wife and we ended up eventually in the US. But yes, I mean, um, or, or, Orban is a topic we can discuss as well. I think, uh, you know, he made a speech recently where um, this was only last week. And he talked about the fact that uh, countries like Britain, and I think, I think he might have meant America as well, were what he called post-West. Um, and that basically the real, the real spiritual center now of the West is indeed in Central Europe, I, I mean Hungary. Uh, would you agree with that or do you think it's hyperbole? Having grown up in the UK, I, I can't agree with that. And having spent 15 years of my life and seeing my children grow up in Hungary, likewise, I can't agree with that statement. So uh, number one, I, I think, and you have to correct me because I left the UK in 1994. I think if you go beneath the surface, if you scratch the surface, I think the, the Britain, the British spirit of yore, uh, the, the Tommy, the Churchillian spirit is still there. If you get out mm -hmm. of the, the metropoles, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that made Britain great still exists in, mm -hmm. in large numbers. When I, when I look at Central Europe, I see some amazing things that were done. For example, how the Catholic Church survived through communism in Poland how it, it brings us St. John Paul II. Th these things cannot be denied. How Hungary, despite all the problems I have with Orban, and let me be clear, I worked for him. I was uh, the national security advisor to Fidesz in the 1990s when they were just a 7% opposition party. So I've seen the sausage factory from the inside. And they've done right. some you know, amazing things, especially when it comes to the EU, putting the Christian identity back into the constitution, uh, but but despite that, you know, this is a region of the world that is broken, is truly broken. I, I, there's, you know, that's why my wife and I left for the United States. We we saw what 40 years of communism did to Hungary. And, and there's an apocryphal saying that's accredited to Kadar, the, the dictator of, of what is called Guyash communism, that softer form of communism that Hungary yeah, evinced. Yeah during the Cold War, which is very different yeah. from Ceausescu's Romania or, or, or the Stalinist uh, East German regime. And he was asked once by a member of the Politburo, why do you permit this softer form of socialism? Why do you allow, you know, you can't have a big company in Hungary, but you can have a little shop and you can make the profits from your shop. Why do you allow this kind of quasi softened communism? And Kardar is alleged to have said, it is far efficacious to slowly bend the spine over time than to try and yeah. snap it at once because that's when they resist. Yes. That, yeah. that, that, I, I, we saw that, that, that crushing effect on the soul of a nation, the idea that Orban has created this apotheosis of West, Western Christendom in Hungary. Sorry, Victor, you know, wh why is the guy who fixed your, your plumbing when you were a nobody in Olchut Dobos, in the village where you grow up. Why is your plumber now the third richest man in America, in, in, in Europe, with half of the, 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 the state industries that were privatized being owned by your plumber? Explain that to me. So, you know, there are issues to do with corruption and other things. Give them credit where credit's due. But the idea that 
you know, Hungary and the Baltic states are, are, are the new uh, Valhalla of, of Western civilization. I don't buy it. As Ch Churchill was right then, he's right now. It is the English-speaking peoples that will be the bulwark, will be the shield of our civilization. We just have to find our courage again. We, we have to not respond to things like COVID the way we did. I, 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 mm. I am absolutely clear on this. I've said this on my show for two years now. The mm. biggest challenge, whatever you issue you care about, freedom of speech, here in America, I'm a big Second Amendment guy, you know, the firearms, freedom, whether it's media, big tech, I don't care what your pet rock is, what your key issue is. The one thing we lack the most is courage. The idea that they shut down businesses, they masked us, they, and, and very few people said, no, no, I am a free man, I'm a free woman. That's what we rediscover. When, when the English-speaking peoples found, find their courage again, it will be the UK, it will be America that will lead the way. This is uh, the, the problem, though, surely, which I think you uh, alluded to there, is that when this all happened during lockdown, during the pandemic, um, people were remarkably compliant, yes. weren't they? I mean, I, re I remember in, in Britain, I had this kind of vision. Uh, you talked about the Churchillian spirit there. I had this vision of Britain being very truculent when it came to standing up for its rights. And that was nowhere to be seen, apart from in a, what I'd say about 20% of people, maybe. Yeah. I mean, didn't that surprise you? It, it, it was tragic. It, it saddened me as an immigrant to a country that was built on literally rugged individualism, the pioneer spirit of the guy with his musket going out west with nothing except, you know, a bag of beans uh, that, that, that we just acquiesced. I mean, we had a couple of stories when, when everybody, when, when everyone except Amazon and Walmart were mandated to shut down. We had one female restaurateur in California one gym owner in New Jersey who said, no, I'm not shutting down. And these two stories became national, national news items. And I thought to myself, hang on a second. This is a nation of 320 million people. It shouldn't have been two stories. It should have been tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of business owners who said, no, sod that. I get to feed mm. my family. My employees get to feed their children. I'm not shutting down. So yes, I was horrified. And I, I, think, mm. I think we've learned the lesson. I dearly hope we've learned the lesson. And we, we shall see. Look, there are already rumors that, that you know, the monkeypox thing or COVID, COVID variant Epsilon Beta 12 is going to be used as some kind of excuse for another shutdown or maskings or mail-in ballots for the midterms and then we shall see then we shall see whether people will say no i'm not going to work or you know no I, i'm not letting you shut down my, my 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 workplace or no i'm not letting you mess with the way we run elections so um we'll see i i i i'm i'm an eternal optimist i think there's something in the american psyche that leans towards optimism but yes, COVID was a was a very serious wake up call. Yes, and also, um, yes, I think it it showed all those sorts of things really uh, about the state of the of the culture. There's no question about that. Um, Sebastian, you know, I'd like to ask. I mean, if you, you say you're pretty, you're absolutely clear about um, President Trump running again, um, would you be involved again? <laughs> um, 
look, if, if is, that pre- an in, is that an indelicate question? No, not at all. Uh, it's 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 a tough question to, for me to wrestle with personally because it's difficult it's difficult so i was a political appointee in the white house my wife was a political appointee in the department of homeland security and i I thought i I had a requisite level of cynicism having lived in in washington dc for all those years but i i I didn't i i was ill prepared um when i became a face for the president in the mainstream media the knives came out and it's it's one thing Mm -hmm. to attack me I, i i'm fine with that i understand i'm a proxy for the big man but when, when the vituperation uh, is aimed at my wife, when one journalist writes 52 hit pieces on me in six weeks, when my 18-year-old son, 18-year-old son, who's in high yeah. school, has a hit piece written about him with the word traitor in the headline, you know, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Um, if a president asks you to do it, it's not just uh, an honor, it's a duty. So I, it would be very difficult. It would be probably wrong-headed of me to say no, but I don't think I want to be inside the machine. I'd love to advise the president, especially on one issue that I think is the burning issue. That's personnel. Reagan said personnel is policy and never a truer word. We we were undermined. We were uh, sabotaged from inside at the highest levels. We can't make those mistakes again. We, We can't have people come into the administration who think it is their job to be involved in subterfuge to undermine the electorate. So to help the president pick the right people and, and have some kind of role in advising him, absolutely, absolutely. But I have too much fun on my on my radio show and my TV show. Yes, it's, it, absolutely, I, I can understand that. Um, finally, I don't know whether you've been following it, there's absolutely no earthly reason why you should, but we've been having a Conservative Party leadership contest here <laughs> uh, for the next Prime Minister. Um, do you have any kind of observation about the general caliber? Um, just last night, I texted with a good buddy, another broadcaster in the UK. Uh, I had a, a, asked him for a sanity check on uh, Miss Mordaunt, who, who you know, caught my eye um, in, in the prior race. Um, he said he's a big fan. He'd like her to win. Um, I think generally, if I'm allowed to, as, as somebody who lived there, previously who was born there it's all much of a muchness i mean it really is much of a muchness it's it's you know half a dozen of one and six of the other we 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 need we we need new figures um lawrence fox was impressive he seemed to implode uh with with his various attempts at at a new political life We, we need we need people who who take it seriously in terms of being a citizen politician we have far too many politician politicians we need more of the ilk of trump or whoever else you may want what you know the nigel farages who have done something in their lives who've run something who've had a career and then switch people who you know started off at 22 after uni as an intern for the labor party or the conservatives and then walked their way up the ladder yeah, uh, seriously, I don't think that that represents yeah. the American, uh, the, the, the represents the American or the British people. Let's have citizens yeah. who decide to become politicians. I think that's the future. 
Well, so one, some one or other of those much of a muchness people is going to end up as prime minister. Yes. Um, you're the one you mentioned is actually already out of the race. But right. uh, anyway, we shall see. But, uh, you know, Sebastian, thank you so much for talking to us, um, you know, and uh, all the very best to you and all the very best as well for the elections coming up in November. And, um, you know, I do hope that you will join us again uh, at some point soon. I'd be delighted to keep doing what you do. It's a voices of sanity like yours, speaking to people who have uh, courage as well. That makes all the difference. So thank you so much. It's been a delight. It's a pleasure. Great. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Um, that's it for so what you're saying is this week. Um, many thanks to my guest, Sir Sebastian Gorka, and we shall see you next time. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, May I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.